welcome to Rolling for Change. I am your host, Woody Harris. I'm a psychotherapist who lives in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, I use games in therapy. And I also do a lot of other things with games. I'm quite a fan of games, and that is why I put together this wonderful podcast. It's a podcast about the transformative nature about board gaming, eh, also role-playing games, and uh, a little bit of video games on the side. That's, that's kind of that's kind of what we're going for here. And so there's kind of a twofold thing. So if you haven't listened to Rolling for Change before, the first thing is that we're looking at the applications of our board game love, our hobby, into the professional world, whether that be therapy or education or business, whatever it might be. And then the, the second side, the secondary side of that is kind of looking at the experience of being a gamer. Uh, what's it like to be a gamer? What's it like to, to experience certain things in games? Games can be such a, a great tool for driving learning experiences and insight and possibilities and social gatherings, so many possibilities. Uh, so I am alone today. My normal co-host, Brian, is um, he's out playing Twilight Imperium 4. So I want to, on the count of three, I want everybody to give a big raspberry to Brian because he was supposed to be here. And I'm just going to give him a little bit of a hard time, especially if he listens to this episode. So just a little bit of one, two, three. Thanks, Brian. Love you, buddy. Uh, and Hostway is, is still uh, kind of unavailable. So here I am. And I'm just going to talk to you about a few things that are going on in my gaming world and uh, maybe talk to you about some articles that I came across. And it might be a shorter episode than normal, but hopefully I can give you some interesting information that may move you along in the direction of finding good stuff for yourself. So the first thing I want to talk about is a video game. Yes, I know this is a board gaming podcast, but I want to talk about this video game very specifically because it kind of connects my two worlds, and and you'll see why. So before I was a Rolling for Change podcaster, I was a prog rock radio podcaster. Uh, What that means basically is I ran a progressive rock radio show. I've run it for about, oh, I think it's upward of 12 years now, and... uh, one of the things that we play on that show is a guy named Stephen Wilson. He is the lead guitarist and uh, pretty much the the creative visionary for Porcupine Tree, and now he does his kind of his own thing. He's doing solo work, and it's all fantastic. If you're a fan of Pink Floyd, if you're a fan of a lot of different kinds of music, you will probably come across his work at some point because he's he's a big fan of Floyd, and he kind of gets that into his sound. But he also, there's a new sound that's in there that is specifically Stephen Wilson sounding. Now, why am I telling you that? Because the video game that I have been playing is called Last Days of June. And the game was written by a guy who was a big fan of Stephen Wilson. And he wanted to find a venue to put his music into in a way that was going to touch the player, the listener, in a different way than just the music of Stephen Wilson. So this game, Last Days of June, you can actually get it on PlayStation 4 right now. You can get it on Steam. Uh, You probably can get it on Xbox for all I know. It, it it's it's basically the story of a couple and this traumatic event that happens to this couple and after this traumatic event the the one character is just continuously plagued by his sort of traumatic past with the situations that happened to him and your role as the player is to go through a set of decisions that help you to keep that past, that past trauma from ever happening. But along the way, you go through these experiences where 
you're re-experiencing the trauma. You're getting flashbacks or you're, you're um, you know, there's different things that are going to remind you of the past. And you can see the distress, even though the face is faceless, kind of. You can see the distress that's going on and you can feel it in the music. The music plays really good to this particular uh, style. And it's very... It's very anime. No, that's not the right word. It, it's animated. It, it feels very surreal. And it seems to take place in the fall, which, why, you ask, is it called Last Days of June? I'm going to let you find that on your own. But I wanted to update you guys on this and get you guys to pay attention to this because it's a fantastic uh, video game. And there's the possibility, I guess, that you could work with some of your clients with this if you're a therapist. There's the possibility that you could teach other people about post-traumatic stress disorder. There's some there's some information there that might go into that particular dialogue. And I, I just think it's a fantastic reworking of Stephen Wilson's music. So the atmosphere in the game is just wonderfully, I, I want to say dreary, but that's not right because it's Stephen Wilson. And I guess I'll have to let you guys look to find that answer for yourself as to what that is. But I would highly recommend an album called The Raven That Refused to Sing. So, not normally going to talk about music on the show here, but this one I think is really important because, number one, it's the first time that a prog rock record has been turned into uh, an amazing video game. Um, but also, just because... the, the It's just fantastic. I, I can't sing its praises enough, and I want you to go out and check it out. And let me know what you think. You can always write us here. Uh, to Rolling for Change, uh, you send it to gamers at rollingforchange.com. And if you'll allow us, we'll read your letters on air. And that's one of the goals, is, like I said, to, pour, to create a community. So that's, that's number one on my list. Number two on my list of games that I want you to pay attention to, and this is perfect for Halloween. <laughs> Unfortunately, you're probably going to get this episode way after Halloween because I am not an editing machine. But... It's Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition. Okay, so are you a Cthulhu fan? If you're a Cthulhu fan, you know how spooky these games can get. Well, the new version of Mansions of Madness is on an app. Uh, it, It combines a board game with an app, and this is what makes it really nice because you can easily create this modular board based on the directions on the app so that you don't spend all that time in prep that you used to spend on Mansions of Madness Now you can just set it up and go. And the story that unfolds, the process of the characters moving along without unfolding, is nothing short of eerie, spooky, tantalizingly weird. It's it's wonderful. Um, You know, if you're a Cthulhu fan, you understand this. But if you're looking for a fear factor in a game, I think you're going to find it in Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition. Uh, This is put out by Fantasy Fight Games, and it's just uh, a fantastic reworking. For those who don't know what Mansions of Madness is, it's based on uh, Lovecraft. And basically, you are investigators who are sent to investigate strange goings-on at this mansion. Um, And uh, usually there's lots of cultist things going on in the mansion, and you kind of scooby-doo your way through the episode making choices and trying to fight off demons and bad guys in order to win the objective. When I played it last, we were just so very close to dying, but we did it. Like, the ha- everything was falling apart. I don't want to give you any spoilers because it's such a fantastic ride, but I do want you to take a look. So, Mansions of Madness, 
Fantasy Flight. Make sure it's second edition. And if you happen to have first edition, then second edition actually has a uh, like a a set that allows you to transcribe the old set over to the new set. So uh, what an adapter k adapter thing kind of thing. So there you go. So uh, the next piece, <laughs> I feel like I'm just going through these things really quickly. Uh, I usually have people to bounce this off of. Hear me, Brian. <laughs> So we got to give them a little bit of a hard time. Um, so Stonemaier Games, you guys know about Stonemaier Games. Uh, Jamie Stegmeyer runs Stonemaier Games, and Stonemaier makes out makes some great games. Just to name a few right off the bat, there's the big newest one, which is Scythe. Um, prior to that, there was Euphoria. There's Viticulture. They're all very deep Euro games, but they have, especially with Scythe, they have some kind of... Uh, um, uh, themeology, Amerithrash kind of thing going on that keeps you involved in the play a little more. Like, it, there's some in-depth going on there. Well, Jamie has been um, a fantastically creative source and also a voice for the community, which I think is really important uh, because some of the game designers don't really talk to the community quite like others do. And, and Jamie has kind of, he, he speaks to us. He he wrote a letter recently, recently called "An Open Letter to Gamers from a Growing Publishing Company," company. and I'll let you look that up yourself. But some interesting things that he pointed out um, for me, you know, there's a lot of information here, but some interesting things he pointed out for me as as a podcaster for Rolling for Change is that um, there's some some kind of I don't know, maybe you call them kind of rules for gamers kind of thing. Uh, the one that stands out to me as, as important, first off, is the third one that he does. Like I said, I'm going to show you the article online. Um, and that, that comment is, let your comments and posts be a force for good. And primarily what this comes down to is in the connection between the consumer, the player of the games, and the maker of the games. Very often, we go online and, and disparage various aspects of games without really talking about why we're upset with it. You know, just like this game isn't any good, or this game sucks, whatever it might be, but we don't talk with the publishers about what it is, and so he suggests, and I think rightly so, that we tell them a little more detail when we talk about this, even when you're just, you know, uh, posting on Facebook to kind of give some idea of what's going on in your gaming world, you know, oftentimes you say, well, that that wasn't worth it, you know, that kind of thing. It's a little bit vague, obviously, but it also doesn't really answer some questions, so I, I think that's important to check out. Um, the next one, consider your audience when welcoming a new gamer. I have been guilty of this, and probably you have too. It's when you come to that situation where you have this really good friend, this really interested person who wants to try out games, and you're like, oh, let me set up this wonderful, and it's usually a complex game, you know, like something that's going to overwhelm them possibly. So think about what you're giving to the audience, basically, is what he's suggesting because if you try to set them up with something that's really complex let's say I try to take a newbie and try to teach them uh, something like Scythe even Scythe can be an entry level game but it's there's some there's some gamerly gaming going on there and I don't know if you try to set somebody up with that you're probably just going to smash their joy <laughs> they're going to walk out really confused very few people walk out of a game like uh, Trajan, which is the one I played, and say, 
why did I feel that way? Very few people are going to have that kind of sense of self-reflection going on. So the message that he's given is just, you know, be careful. Try to try to treat your friends with some respect and pick some games that are going to match their needs rather than your needs. Um, and the other thing, remember that other gamers have different priorities than you. Um, so you, what you think about a game and what somebody else thinks about a game is obviously going to be different. But when this comes to like the difference in an $80 game and a $60 game, he's talking about here, you know, kind of the people who get the really souped-up versions of games and then the people who disparage the fact that there are souped-up versions of games. He's trying to be a jack-of-all-trades, something for both worlds, basically. So he wants to be a gamer's guy and he wants to be a new player's guy. And so, or, you know, maybe a less fanatic guy. So his suggestion is just, you know, remember, other people have other priorities. Um... So, and the final one, and this is most important, maybe most important for the theme we were going to talk about, but I'm going to force that theme to wait until the next podcast when I meet with, uh, hopefully, Brian and Josue. But this is don't harass people. I don't want to get too deep into this because I want to do an episode on trash talk, but there's a difference in trash talk and harassing. Harassing can be the way you react to someone who isn't playing the way you think they should play. Or the way you react to someone who is having a great deal of AP, analysis paralysis, when they get stuck on a decision for a long time because it seems like all your decisions are so important in that moment. So you get stuck there. And sometimes you'll feel those the pressure from the people around you. I've had that feeling myself, like trying to play one of those really complex Euros and feeling like everybody around me is kind of whispering or, or, well, have you got an idea? You know, there's a little push there. Um, So really, we're just trying to be good gamers. At at the bottom of it all, if we're going to have an experience of any sort with our games, we want to be good to each other. And this is not always easy because games really do bring out some competitiveness in us. They bring out some meanness in us sometimes because sometimes the game gears itself towards being a take-that-game, a game where you're going to work at destroying somebody else's progress. Gosh, when you think about it that way, work at destroying somebody else's progress, that sounds like a horrible game, but it happens in many games. And it's okay if your players kind of all come to the table knowing this is going to be a game that's going to be pretty cutthroat. But if you have people who are joining the game who are newbies or people who are joining the game who just don't really have an idea of the game, there needs to be some social contracting there. You know, it's... It's strange, I know. I I think I've talked about this before with kind of handicapping for children. So, as I said, I'm a therapist. And sometimes I need to let go of a certain aspect of a game in order to make it accessible to someone who has not yet made inroads in the game. Like, they haven't gotten used to playing the game. They don't know what the game is, or there's some really complex rule. So I'm not saying that you're going to take a rule out of a take-that game, but I'm saying you might move towards playing to the social audience rather than playing to the game. If you're going to play to the game, make sure that all the people are playing to the game. Make sure they're there for that purpose, I guess, is is what I'm saying. So like I said, we're going to get into trash talk in the very near future. But today I just wanted to point this article out by Jamie Stegmeier, an open letter to gamers from a growing publishing company. 
Uh, and he says it's a spiritual successor to an open letter to Kickstarter backers from a tiny publishing company. He does, he said he said he doesn't actually do Kickstarters anymore, which is interesting because Jamie, uh, uh, his business has kind of thrived on the Kickstarter world. So, there you go. A couple of articles there. One more article I'm going to give you before I go, since uh, we kind of talked a little bit about music. Um, I'll, I'll introduce one more musically related connection to board games, and that is a game called Chickapig. <laughs> a lighthearted, poop-heavy board game that has been backed by Dave Matthews of the Dave Matthews Band. Dave liked this game so much that he had a custom table built for his tour van so he could play it. Now, I don't know anything about the game, and I'll post the article in the show notes, but basically, in this game, <laughs> you poop to create ar- obstacles for your opponents. That's right. You poop to create obstacles for your opponents. Um, this... <laughs> This is what Dave says. I think that it proves to be quite a social game, which is why a lot of kids have gotten into it, and I think it's for that reason. There's an element of playground involved as well, which is also good if you're drinking beer. So that works for any age group, the social quality of it. Um, so <laughs> it's it's just fascinating when a musician, uh, you know, most most musicians maybe spend a lot of time practicing and don't really have a lot of time for gaming. I can imagine that because I every time I think about the possibility of playing guitar or going back to the saxophone, which I used to play, I think, wow, that's going to take time away from gaming. That's going to take time away from therapy. That's going to take time away from reading. It, it's all how you place your meeples, folks. That's that's kind of the message I've had all the way along. It's all how you place your meeples. All right. Well, I'll make these articles available, and, and I want to thank you for listening to us Um Thank you for listening to us all the time. I mean, uh, if you go back and check out our shows, please let us know. Once again, our email address is gamers at rollingforchange.com. We very much want to hear from you. We want to connect with publishers. We want to connect with players. Uh, We'd love for you to be on our show. If you have something special to say, if you have something interesting to talk about, if you have an idea of something that we should be talking about, then please drop us a line. It's very important for us to... uh, get an idea of who our community is, and that way we can kind of figure out what do we do with this community? How do we how do we organize ourselves? How do we make this meaningful for the world as a whole? Okay, pie-in-the-sky thinking maybe, but I, I see something bigger here, and if you're on board, let me know because we can make this something bigger. All right. Well, once again, my name is Woody Harris, and you've been listening to the Rolling for Change podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and keep on rolling for change. You've been listening to Rolling for Change, Episode 12. We'll be holding a panel at PAX Unplugged on November 19th at 10 a.m. Please come join us if you can. Rolling for Change is a proud member of the Geek Therapy Network. If you enjoy this show, you may like other Geek Therapy productions, such as Headshots, Geek Therapy, and The Jedi Council. If you'd like to contact us, we can be reached at gamers at rollingforchange.com. Our theme music is provided by Rocket Scientists. You can find them at thetank.com. Thanks so much for listening, and remember to keep on rolling for change.